Hello and welcome once again to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I am Spooky Jens Nelson. This is a sometimes spooky, sometimes interesting podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us today or any other day as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. It is, unsurprisingly, still October. If you've been keeping up with these episodes as they're coming out, it will be no surprise that it's the middle of October to you. I hope you're enjoying your fall season. I know here it is like the last week or two. It's really sort of turned into fall, got some cooler weather, a couple of leaves are starting to drift down. What do you consider cool down in Alabama? What is is fall in Alabama? This has been the nicest year yet, as long as we've been here. Um, it's It's been like 40s overnight, 50s, like high 40s into the 50s and then back up to 70 by like lunchtime man and then it'll it'll get down to like 60 before we go to bed um yeah so it's, it's been, been like it's been like nice and, it's been like 20s and 30s low 40s and 50s high for the last two yeah. weeks it's been it's been i've really been enjoying waking up like i got up pretty early for class so like it's been nice to like need a sweater like it was a really hot summer hmm. i think also the hottest summer we've had since we've been here which is this only our thanks uh, global warming full summer um and then a cooler fall than we've had, so it, at least in the morning. So it's been really nice. And um, in a couple of days, it's actually supposed to be really cold. It's supposed to be, like, I think the high is like 53 on Tuesday <laughs> or something. That's fun. <laughs> um, so, but no, it's been really nice. And, and it's just also been nice weather. Like, it hasn't been raining a whole lot. Mm. It's been, like, um, clear, good, like, going for a walk weather. So it's been it's been, it's been a really great, like seasonal time here Hmm. as far as the weather and all all that goes Um, must be nice yeah yeah (laughs) it is so uh in addition to uh somewhat nice weather depending on what part of the country or world you're living in um it is also spooky season we are continuing uh with our tradition of spending october looking at some heresies some you know we might have to change how we start talking about it yeah um Especially after today, um, but I mean, even even some of the things we've talked about before, this would apply. So today, if you take a look at the title, I'm assuming you did when you clicked on uh, play to listen to this episode, we're talking about origin and originism. Uh, and we're going to kind of keep in mind that these are not the same thing. I don't know if, you know, people might have heard of, you know, Calvin versus the Calvinists. There's sort of a, a origin versus the originists thing kind of going on too that we that we got to kind of keep in mind to be fair to good old origin, um, but uh, you might be thinking, what the heck? This is Heresy Month. Origin's not a heretic, and that's true. Origin is not a heretic, per se. Um, as far as I understand it, although I think some of the language at in the canons at the Second Council of Constantinople might be a little bit debatable, at least the, the translation I was reading. Um, as far as I understand it, uh, Origen has not been officially condemned as a heretic. That being said, the reason we're talking about him and some of his ideas, at least today during this month, is because some of his ideas, which he 
either influenced and may or may not have believed himself, and also some ideas that he very much taught explicitly and held to have been condemned and not just not just acknowledged as being wrong, but have actually been condemned as heretical, which there's a little bit of why we have, or we're talking about origin and originism, because there's there's sort of this collection of ideas that sometimes gets labeled originism, that there's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram of origin and originism, but there's also some stuff that's not overlapping. Right, and I think depending on who you ask might depend on how much overlap those two circles have. Um, we'll see. You know, maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll loop back around to where how much overlap we think there is. Um, but we might. You might also remember we've actually talked about origin before. We have biographically speaking. Um, we've probably mentioned it more than once, but we did a big. I say big, I don't know, it feels big to me. We did a longer form Christians of History once where we talked about a collection of Alexandrian theologians and he was in that list um, because he's from Alexandria. So we, if, if we don't mention something about origin or you like what, you know, you want to learn a little bit more, um, you could always search them up. There's lots of good resources online. But also if you go back to... Um, the Alexandrians Christians of History episode from it was over a year, a year ago. Yeah, over like a year, yeah. yeah, it was like, like summer twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, some, that sounds right. So um, somewhere in there, you, you can find a little bit more, presumably than we than we probably will say here as far as his biography goes. But um, you don't need to go listen to that to understand this episode, and we will get into some biographical stuff. So before we jump into the biographical stuff, I'm curious. Uh, if you have anything else that sort of came to you in your research or just some thoughts about this whole, you know, origin, originism, you know, origin not being a heretic, but maybe some of his ideas are heretical. What do we do with that? Like, not, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. We didn't really talk about doing this section. But if you have any thoughts off the top of your head, I would like to hear them here before we get too into the weeds of his bio and, and stuff. Yeah, no, I actually, I do have a couple of preliminary things that I wanted to say. Um, some of what you, you have said, I, I do think that we, you know, we, we've typically called October heresy month on this podcast, and perhaps we just need to title it like dangerous teaching month, if not outright heresy. I mean, there are some things that we've talked about that are outright heresies that have been condemned. Other things, it's, you know, it's bad teaching, it's sketchy teaching, it's cultish teaching, um, whatever it might be. And so this example of, of someone like Origen, who is so early in the church uh, in, in its history, I mean, if, if our dates are correct, he lived about 185 to 253. So we're talking like super early. It's possible maybe he even interacted with some of, um, you know, if not directly with people who were alive during Jesus's time, like people who knew those people so like just a couple of steps removed from the apostles um so that's like that's a big deal that's that's significant and so uh to to look at his 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 life his thought his teaching and then the the out uh, i mean so origin was very prolific right in his writing i mean thousands of treatises and writings and things that we can find i mean he was able to write a good portion of material um 
And so we not only do not only on the one hand do we have this incredible record, uh, but we also have like the stream that flows from him, so to speak. I mean, the things that he taught, it's not like they happened in a vacuum and then the day he disappeared or died, like his his work disappeared. I mean, it continued on after him. And you've mentioned Calvin and Calvinism. Um, You can even think like, I I sometimes think about this, like what's going to be some of the output of people like like John Piper or... um, you know, R.C. Sproul, like we in our 21st century context, we have some really big names, people that like get publications, they are at the speaking events, they they have a following, there are people that are like gathered around them. Um, so what is the what is the uh, the output of someone's life and their significant theological work? Um, because for someone like Calvin, there are a lot of things about John Calvin um, and what he taught that differs greatly from what people talk about when they talk about Calvinism. I, there might even be a couple of points of Calvinism that Calvin himself would not have necessarily believed or put forth. Um, but it's, uh, so the, the same is true here, I think, of Origen in a way. And it's funny, like his name is Origen, like a lot of Christian teaching finds its origin in Origen, right? I mean, you can look at some of his, some, uh, I know, right? Bad pun. Uh, like some of his uh, some some teaching on the Trinity, for example, um, uh, his work in textual criticism, hermeneutics, whatever it might be, like his work is so foundational that like you can't you can't be a Christian today and ignore Origen, whether you know it or not. Like you're interacting with him in some capacity. Like that's how important he was. Um, and so yeah, that it's it's this like interesting line that. Um, we have to be careful, like someone someone who lived a life, who sought to be faithful, who also lived in an era where like uh, like a good portion of people believed in, um, oh man, why am I blanking on this word? Um, subordinationism, for example, like hierarchy within the Trinity. Like the, the doctrine of the Trinity had not yet been fully fleshed out or formulated as we think of it today. Because again, he, he was so early in church history that like... It was just sort of like the assumed until until we you know determined otherwise. So it's like how you know how, how much can we quote unquote condemn? I'm not saying we have to condemn origin or anything, but how much can we look at somebody's life, their teaching, their work, um, and you know make make a make a decision one way or another? Like is it? Is it Origen himself, or is it the people that sort of carried the mantle afterwards? And and I'm I'm also even thinking about last week. You know, we talked about Je- Jehovah's Witnesses on last week's episode. We had like the guy who um, I think Charles Taze, whatever, was like the first guy who was like super compared to his predecessor or his uh, the person who came after him, like very mellow, not nearly as like crazy or over the top. And then the guy, I'm, I'm so I'm butchering all these names. I apologize, but the guy that you talked about afterwards, I'm blanking his name, um, but he sort of like carried the torch and turned it into what we now sort of think of as the the Jehovah's Witness group of of people. Um, so like, you know, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Origin is important to look at. He's important to discuss. There's a there's a purpose in talking about him, but at the same time the the uh, resulting body of 
theology and work and those who took his name or at least his teaching after him i think are tethered but like still distinct from who he was if that makes sense i don't know if you had anything you wanted to add i feel like i'm rambling now what are what are some of your thoughts no yeah and i think it's helpful again to not only have an episode like this but to have it during our heresy month uh you know themed month that we do because as we'll get into like some of the ideas that are either like you say tethered to him or like do more substantially directly come from him they're just they're they're really bad like they're 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 heretical um and at at this point in the life of the church in history to to hold to the to some of those ideas would be to intentionally go against the received teaching of the church and um, the creeds and any confession you know like like we'll get into some some of the detail later but um, if you're gonna do that like like that's a different conversation but from the perspective of you know for example this podcast orthodoxy. Um, creedal Christianity, traditional Christianity, in in its in its diversity of of expressions, um, the fact that he's so early get, makes him a very uh, helpful person to look at. Sort of the importance of these different problems that bubbled up over time. They don't all happen at once, so it's not that the faith changes between Origen's life and the Council of Nicaea, and then the Council of Chalcedon, and then you know the Reformation or something like that, different issues bubbling up at different times pose different challenges that need to be worked out. And they need to be, ideas need to be clarified. Vocab- a huge thing is vocabulary needs to be sharpened. Um, so we're, so a, a way of speaking might become less helpful in a different time than it used to be because some person somewhere takes that manner of speaking and uses it to say Jesus isn't God or something like that, right? Um, and so that's where I think the the humility and the forbearance in looking at um, especially people like Origen, but also like outright heretics, if we're looking at them as individuals, there there's a difference, you know. Um, being a false teacher also entails with it some intentional refusal to repent, right? Um, Arius probably wasn't, you know, living in abject, unrepentant sin until the entire church said to him, hey, you're blaspheming our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to keep doing it. Like, at that point, I think there's a case to be made that you've now stepped yourself outside the bounds of of the faithful body of Christians. Um, but that's a different issue than, than simply teaching things that are... Um, you know, somewhere on the scale of unhelpful to dangerous to outright heretical. Um, and, and it's tricky, too, because we can't we can't put ourselves in a time where these things haven't been worked out. Right. We don't live in a time where the Council of Nicaea hasn't yet provided us with the language that gets accepted and how we talk about the Trinity. We don't live in a time where we don't have, um, you know, we don't have access to writings on the nature of grace and justification and faith and how that relates to works. Uh, we we live in a time where we have these things have been these battles have been fought such that 
in some senses, it's not that we're better off, it's that we have a little bit more precision in how we're able to talk about some of these issues um, than somebody like Origin especially had, which is, which is not to just say, well, we got to be kind and humble and loving because we're Christians. So we, you know, he was really early, you know, it's, it's okay if he said some things that are, that are just wacky and, and some that are bad. Like, he's doing the best he can. We should just focus on the good that he did. Um, there, there's somewhere in between where we don't need to outright condemn him and we don't need to pretend that he didn't have dangerous faults in his teaching. Um, that's what I think we're going to try to do by kind of presenting it in this way that we've been talking about so far. Um, and then also taking a taking another look at his life and then taking a look at some of the ideas that are actually condemned and sort of using that as like a, a way of looking at like this is this is, you know, there's a reason that some of these ideas are. It's not just it's not it's not just a bunch of people decided they didn't like him one day. Right. Like there's there's some there's there's some some substance there that, that's worth talking about. But I won't I won't blather on any longer. Um, if you want to move on, if you want to, I'm sorry, not move on, but move into the uh, little bio part to yeah. bring bring us all up to speed on who he was. For sure. And and as you said, we, we have a more extensive look at who he is in our episode on the Alexandrians. So if you want a greater in-depth look at that, go ahead and check that out. Um, but for this, for the sake of this episode, we'll, we'll just mention, you know, he, he is from Alexandria. He's often referred to as Origin of Alexandria. Um as we've said, early Christian scholar, ascetic, theologian, um, and he was a prolific writer. I mean, from what I can see here, I mean, at least 2,000 treatises and multiple branches of theology, um, so like textual criticism, biblical exegesis, hermeneutics, homiletics, spirituality. Um, He's one of the most influential, certainly perhaps one of the most controversial figures in early Christian theology. Um, some have described him as the greatest uh, genius the early church ever produced. And uh, a big, big reason uh, that Origen was able to produce a massive quantity of writings is because of the patronage of his close friend Ambrose of Alexandria, who provided him with a team of secretaries to copy his works, um, which effectively made him one of the most prolific writers in all of antiquity. So we can go look back at this period, and few people have written as extensively as as Origen had. Um, So it's interesting, like most of what we know about Origen actually comes from Christian historian Eusebius, um, who wrote about 50 years after Origen had passed away. And so it's it's funny. It's one of those things like uh, some of the some of the material that Eusebius shares is like a little bit sketchy. Some of it's like uh, he takes some creative liberties. He uh, sort of utilizes some like unreliable hearsay as evidence. He makes some speculation about um, some of Origen's life and his teachings. Um, but historians are able to sort of like piece together from Eusebius and from other sources and from Origen's own hand or his secretaries, like sort of who he was, what he believed in, um, and what he, he put forth out into the world. Um, there's, there's so much that can be said about Origen. I mean, one just has to look him up on Wikipedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, whatever. You can read all about him. Um, there's some stuff about alleged self-castration which is just like super strange and like the pictures depicting this from like 
I forget where they were from. I, if they were like some 1500s painting or something, but like, like, like who is the dude that got like <laughs> chosen to like, yeah, let's, let's paint this picture of this dude doing this thing. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, you can also get an idea of who he is based on like where he lives, the the part of the world in which he he found himself, where he traveled, uh, because you know Alexandria was sort of this hub. Um, it was a a major uh, major player in antiquity, and it was the case for the church too. But again, you have to remember the time and the place, the persecution that the church was experiencing in different places, um, and so all of this is informing what origin believes what he does the church that he's a part of um and so again there's only so much that we can say about him in this time so i figured the the best thing to do is to sort of talk about the things that he uh like believed in the things that he ardently held to um one of which was this idea of of free will you know i'm sure we have had lots of conversations about free will um but he 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 like was adamant in his rejection of the idea of election. Instead, he believed that even disembodied souls have the power to make their own decisions. Um, there's this story where he talks about the, the Jacob and Esau, and he argues that the the con- the condition into which a person is born is actually dependent upon what their souls did um, in their pre-existent state. So according to origin, the superficial unfairness of a person's condition at birth. So, you know, some people are poor, some people are rich, some are sick, others are healthy. is actually a byproduct of what the person's soul had done in the pre-existent state. So like even before the world had been created and, and the, <laughs> there, you know, these pre-existent souls had, had, you know, according to origin, you know, sort of like determined the lot of each person. Um, so that's like a, an interesting little bit about, you know, his teaching. Uh, as I mentioned, or at least alluded to earlier, he was also instrumental in the development of Trinitarian theology. Um, however, he, like I said, he was a subordinationist, meaning that he believed that the father was superior to the son, the son superior to the spirit. And at one point, Origen even suggests that the son was created by the father and that the Holy Spirit was created by the son, although... That was just like his idea because he didn't see anywhere saying that the Holy Spirit had been created. But like we said last week, when we talked about the Jehovah's Witnesses, they used that verse of of uh, John 1, 1, um, other verses about, you know, Jesus being the, the firstborn of all creation um, to, to have this idea that, you know, Jesus was created. It wasn't that he uh, always existed. Um, and then maybe... You know, one of the last things I'll mention here, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to Lucas, is that like both Orthodox and, if we want to say, heterodox theologians claimed to be following in the tradition of origin. Um, and so, like for example, Athanasius of Alexandria um, during the First Council of Nicaea was deeply influenced by Origen, and so were Basil and both Gregories. So we're talking about the you know the Cappadocian fathers, um, and at the same time, Origen deeply influenced Arius of Alexandria and later followers of Arianism. So this is what I mean when I say like you can teach something and. Be, you know, especially because of like the era of history in which you live, where these things have not not yet been outright, you know, condemned or repudiated or just, you know, labeled as heresies. 
um, like hold to this belief. But then those that come after you who like look to you as like almost a, a father figure, a church father, um, a prominent theologian, they, they'll take these, these nuggets or sometimes like these full blown teachings, um, and, and take it to perhaps another level. Um, and so, you know, so does if if origin had never existed, would the Arian heresy have still come about? Probably, yeah. Uh, however, like origin did exist, his teaching exists, and so do Arians, and Arians were condemned. So, like, is that enough to condemn origin himself? Like, should should he be condemned as as a heretic or or not? I think that's sort of like, you know, up for debate. It depends on what tradition you find yourself in. Um, but at the very least, what we have to say is Origen was was hugely influential in the early church, in the development of a lot of ideas. And so naturally, with someone who's writing so early and so prolifically, just imagine how wide that teaching is going to get dispersed out into the world and what's going to happen if there aren't any safeguards or, um, you know, sound, you know, th- this is why the councils come about is what I'm trying to say is like origin pun intended is sort of the origin of many of the, the issues and, and heresies of the early church. So I don't know what, what do you want to say? Any, any pushback, anything that you want to add? Yeah, I think it's helpful to look at, like I, I mentioned before, the Second Council of Constantinople mentions um, a, a bunch of anathemas against specific ideas that I guess the the most safe way to say it is it identifies with origin, the council identifies with origin. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure dissertations and articles will be written about whether or not some of these specifically were but it's helpful to see what again they're not just like oh anything origin said goodbye anathema they're like this thing anathema this thing this idea and i just wanted to mention like read a couple of them and kind of get get a feel for some of the the kinds of ideas that are that are problematic first of all like you mentioned um with respect to free will, there's just just like the very idea of the pre-existence of souls has is is condemned at this council, like, and that's that's not really ever been a mainstream belief in Christianity, like even before Constantinople II, that that was that was an aspect of Origen's teaching, which that's a good example of something that's very much there. Like, it's not really, as far as I know, it's not really debated whether or not Origen taught the pre-existence of souls, meaning people's souls exist before they are born, right? Before before they exist as human being persons, their souls already exist in eternity past. Um, and he also had, he had lots of stuff to, to do with, um, you know, sort of this, this pre, pre-eternal state where, you know, we were all, parts of God in a sense we all kind of fell away and, and we kind of fell further and further away until we ended up getting um, you know sort of stuck in physical bodies and I mean honestly you can you can see even just listening to some of the brief explanations some I'm not gonna say you know influence directly but definitely some resonances with some of the ideas of the early Gnostics that are going around at this point where 
what's really at what's really going on is this this there's this cosmology that has not really been fully developed into what becomes more of the 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 orthodox and, and more traditional Christian um, way of looking at the world. And part of that too was he taught um, an eternal creation. Um, God is creator, and there can't be any potentiality in God. There's nothing that could that God could be but isn't yet or will be, which means if God is creator, he's always creator, and he can only be always creator if there was always a creation. So creation is eternal, um, which is a really big deal, you know? And I mean, without getting too much into it, um, that is pretty strongly, you know, taught against by figures like the entire Augustinian tradition, um, you know, Augustine up through Aquinas, the reformers all the way up to today um, in the West, as well as um, uh, Athanasius, like in the beginning parts of On the Incarnation. Um, like it's very clear that traditional Christian Orthodox teaching is that God created and the creation is finite. It had a beginning. Um, so there's that. Um, there's also... Uh, a really interesting thing about we talked a little bit uh, somewhat recently when we talked about aliens about like the possibility of multiple incarnations there's kind of like a similar thing that is condemned in this in Constantinople too but the the multiple incarnations so to speak uh, that might not be the right way to phrase it. it it's not humans and other and like other alien intelligent life from outer space but it's like angels and powers and other spiritual beings um and they're like they're like no you can't you you the, the council anathematizes that and there are some interesting things that have to do with uh the resurrection of the dead the resurrection state um one is that the the resurrection won't be material it won't be physical it's not a bodily resurrection um there it's, it's as they say um, there will no longer be any matter, but only spirit. Uh, let 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 that idea be be anathema. And the other thing, which he's kind of well known for, at least in some weird Christian Twitter circles, is um, the idea that after the <laughs> after the resurrection of the dead, um, you're in a you're you're a sphere. Like like you don't have your material, physical, human body anymore. You're 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 just kind of this this disembodied soul. Um, but, but part of that, which is fun is that you're, a, you're spherical in shape. Like you're just like a little orb floating around, I guess. Um, and that is explicitly anathematized by an ecumenical council, which is <laughs> kind of just funny. I mean, and really like that go with what I just said is, is it's not hard to see in a podcast like this, like it's not hard to see the problems with the idea that there's not going to be a bodily resurrection, um, you know, to cut to the chase, just read first Corinthians 15. Um, but I'll just read this 10th anathema because it's just so much fun. If anyone shall say that after the resurrection, the body of the Lord was ethereal, having the form of a sphere and that such shall be the bodies of all after the resurrection and that after the Lord himself shall have rejected his true body, and after the others who rise shall have rejected theirs, the nature of their bodies shall be annihilated. Let him be anathema. So you can see, like, it's not like, oh, you teach we're going to be a sphere? Anathema. Like, the, the problem is this idea of our bodies being annihilated 
um, and there not being this continuity in our in our pre-glorified and post-glorified state. Um, but you can you can see how a lot of these ideas, in light of later established doctrine, as people think through these things and hammer out details and flesh out descriptions and ways of speaking, you can see how these are pr- some of these are like pretty serious. Um, and you can see how a lot of them have to do with sort of a similar theme with like eternal creation, pre-existent souls, um, a, a non-material resurrected state. Um, and I got to, you know, I'm very, I, I'm, I, I very much am thankful for the fact that these ideas got weeded out over the centuries following Origen's death. And um, I, I think that to whatever degree he taught any of, of those kinds of things, I think it's very, very much the case that that is, that is, that's flat out wrong. That, 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 that ought not be believed by, by Christians because it's, it's inconsistent with what God has revealed to us about where we come from, where we're going, our nature, his nature, all that, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, so to sort of, to sort of land the plane, I just think it's interesting to and we've we've I, I think la, I think for the first time la, we we did we started thinking about this more seriously last October, and I think we've mentioned it a couple times. I know we've mentioned it in our own like conversation. I, I don't know how much of it has been on air, but um, origins are really helpful topic. Like origin as a person, origins thought it's a really helpful topic for for to, for thinking about the relationship between heresy and and the heretic right like heresy and especially the teacher of heresy um or heterodoxy and the teacher of heterodoxy um which there is a distinction there um but um some of these things are you know depending on your view of of tradition and history uh and in that role the role that those play in doctrine you might have different you might weigh this differently, but Constantinople II is a an ecumenical council. So when they say, if you teach that there is a pre-existence of souls, you are anathema. That, you know, I, I don't I, I feel comfortable saying, as far as Christianity is concerned, traditional Christianity is concerned, pre-existence of souls is heretical, right? Like obviously it's a little bit different than saying Jesus isn't God, but it is explicitly anathematized by an ecumenical council. So there's that going, it has that going for it. But but what is interesting is obviously Origen didn't, wasn't around yet, or the council hadn't happened when Origen was around. So we've already kind of touched on that. But another thing is that, I don't know that we've said this explicitly so far, is how much Origen was a trailblazer. The church was really, it wasn't even really until a generation or two after Origen that the, that the church at large came to the point where it was even able to really do serious theological reflection on the level that somebody like Origen was doing be- because of persecutions and stuff. But even before that, even you know, in the in the in the first half of the second, or I mean, the third century, um, Origen is doing, and not just a not just a lot, <laughs> not just very broad, but also very significant. You know, very serious seriously new theological work which obviously carries with it some some pitfalls um but also is kind of 
historically speaking, at least, it's kind of necessary for somebody to sort of step into those pitfalls for us to know that those pitfalls are there, um, which that doesn't exonerate him of sin, obviously. Um, but I think it does it does complicate things when we're trying to, to nuance to what degree he, he is like teach like you know deliberately teaching false doctrine versus he is sort of in his speculative theology maybe speculating a bit too far afield right um i don't know it's very intriguing those are kind of my concluding thoughts i'd, I'd love to you know hear what you have to say um and i know we've kind of touched on everything a little bit but to to kind of if, if anything has has come to your mind since um a few minutes ago or, or any responses or pushback you've got for me or for origin or anything. Yeah, no, no, no pushback or anything. I, I, I really, when you proposed this topic, I was like, man, that seems daunting one, because origin is like a huge dude Two, because like the, the, the stream that flows from him is also significant. Um, but I, I just, I really like this idea. I wish, I, I wish I had all the words to communicate, um, exactly and precisely what i want to say but it, it goes to that I, I i'm having a hard time remembering if you and i actually created this episode or if we just talked about doing it but like if heretics are going to be in heaven i feel like maybe we did make that episode after um last year's heresy month i don't remember for sure so i'll have you check me on that um, but regardless i think that's like a really interesting question like do heretics go to heaven <laughs> uh you know part of it's going to depend on your theological belief system um part of it's going to believe on like well was like for for origin like if if for whatever reason at some point we actually condemn origin as a heretic does that does that condemnation change the eternal state of his soul probably not no um so it's like the there, there's this there's this like reality of the the progression of church history the, the development of doctrine, the development of like key ideas. Um, but at, at the same time, there's, there's like this reality that like your justification, your sanctification, your, your salvation is not determined. It's not, it's not, it does not uh, hinge on you necessarily believing certain things. What what I'm trying to say is like there are certain doctrines that just like your average Christian in a church probably has no idea about, not because they don't care, not because it's unimportant, um, but because nobody has informed them. Like the, you know, your grandmother probably cannot like in great detail uh, talk about Trinitarian doctrines and Trinitarian heresies and tell you why they're right or wrong. And that's not again, that's not a knock against your grandmother. It's just the the reality of like your common average Christian is not. Um, you know, putting themselves in these types of conversations, and so they're not going to be doing the the study and the things to uh, to build that vocabulary or whatever. Does that mean that your grandmother's going to hell? Like, certainly not. Like that. So it's like when we, when we talk about heresy and when we talk about heretics, like we have to be careful because, like, we are in a sense like making judgment statements. Um, however, I want to be like the first one to say that we are not the ones who are necessarily condemning people to hell or, you know, hellfire for eternity or something. Um, 
And I think that's the case with Origin. Is like I don't think it would be fair for anybody from from church history to look at Origin and say absolutely he's a heretic, deserves to be condemned. There's nothing good. Like I just don't think that that's fair. I don't think that's good theology. Um, like there are a lot of good things in Origin. There are a lot of weird things in Origin, and <laughs> like I don't know. Like so that all this to say, like approaching this episode doing some reading, doing some study, talking about this with you, I'm left in this position of like, yeah, what what do we do with these like early church figures who who like, you know, the we we don't have the the good fortune of 2000 years. My my good friend Origen here had the like two decades. <laughs> like he had like very little time for like like you said, like for this development and proliferation of theological work. Um, so I don't know. I hope that this conversation at least like gets people's gears turning. Um, I I hope that it sparks a conversation with people that maybe like know about these things. Like if you're in school or if you, if you want to talk to your pastor about origin or something like, you know, that's what I'm all about. For sure. And I did go back and double check. We didn't do an episode about heretics going to heaven or not, but what we did do is our last episode of last year's heresy month was called Heresy Month in Review. Mm. And we, I remember doing this now. I didn't remember it. I was, I was also like trying to remember if we had recorded that or not. But we talk about that in that episode. It, it's, it's, okay. it's in the, it's if part you read of the show notes. Okay. It, it like, oh, among other things, we talk about that question that, um, like, like I said, I think last October was when it first started coming up in our just, our own conversations and stuff. So, so if if you're all if you're like us and you're intrigued by that whole idea, um, we do have some some other thoughts that we've already put out there, which which I confirmed is is the the last episode from last year's Heresy Month called Heresy Month in Review. If you want to go back and, and check it out, but yeah, nice. no, I think I totally agree in terms of just um, the you know just there there's in some sense I. I the more I learn, like like the older I get, and when I say learn, I don't mean in school. I just mean like the more I experience life. There, there's, I feel like I end almost every conversation I have with people thinking, yeah, well, that's a lot to think about. And I just feel like like it doesn't really matter what you're talking about. There's a lot to think about. So, um, and and I I you know I know some people are you know maybe less interested in in those kinds of of things to think about. But I know I'm. I, I kind of I love coming to the end of this and just being like, eh, yeah, I'll have to think about that more. <laughs> and I think that that that's kind of the it's pretty much the point of what we're doing here. Yeah, um, it might be frustrating if you're coming in to to, you know, you're doing a, re- a research project on origin and you're looking for anything and everything and you stumble across our podcast and you come away with two guys <laughs> contributing nothing. But <laughs> But huh, interesting. Huh. So anyway, <laughs> I yeah. think I think that'll wrap that'll just about wrap it up for today. Cool. On that note, yeah, no, and this has been so interesting to me. And I, yeah, I don't know. The older the older that I get too, the the more that I develop my theological mind, and the more that I, um, you know, think about some of these like not just esoteric ideas, but like we're talking about the reality of the world. Um, like yeah. We are finite humans who are going to be like, huh, 
yeah, interesting. Like we, I never would have done it that way, but I'm glad this is the way that gravity works. You know, I'm glad I don't just float off into space or whatever. So it's like, man, the the world is far more complex uh, than we would even want to understand. But anyway, we're gonna read a psalm to pray us out, and I feel like this is a fitting one. Uh, it's titled uh, "Be Thankful." It's a psalm of thanksgiving, Psalm 100. It says, "Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God." Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Amen. Amen. Uh, not as a cop-out, but genuinely, that's probably fitting to pray at all times. <laughs> yeah, every day, <laughs> but every single day. I'm sure, you know, anyway. Well, awesome. th- thank you for listening to the incoherent ramblings of myself and the more coherent ramblings of my friend Lucas Stock. Um, we love that you come to this podcast uh, week in and week out. And even if, you know, this is your first time, we want to say thank you. Um, if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and sell them on Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or you can send us an email. That we love getting emails at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, questions, episode ideas, future heresy month ideas, topics. Uh, send us your pushback. Maybe you think Origin's the coolest dude in the world, or maybe you think he's the biggest heretic. Let us know what you think. Uh, at the end of the day, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace out.